welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. The one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, well, welcome everybody to this episode of Demand Gen Radio. I am very excited to have Heidi Bullock on the program today. Heidi is the Chief Marketing Officer at Engageo, and we're going to dig in in just a little bit about building your marketing organization. But first, Heidi, how are you? How's today going? It's going great. I'm happy to be on the show, and yeah, everything's going great so far. And what I didn't realize till I kind of pulled up your profile is, you know, we have almost 600 connections in common. That might actually be a record. I don't think I've ever pulled someone up where I've seen that we have that many connections in common. But we certainly run in the same circles and know a lot of the same uh, people. And one of the things... We do. We do. And we both have a great sense of humor. We, I hope that comes out today. I like, I like to keep yeah. these playful. We wanted to talk about marketing organizations today because when you and I were last catching up, and you were talking about the organization building there. I said, let's bring that forward because so many of our clients reach out to us and talk about the shape of their marketing organization. And I don't mean the org chart. I mean the roles and responsibilities. In fact, a workshop that I'm teaching coming up, we cover that. So let's, let's dig in there and maybe paint a picture of, you know, you, you were there during some incredible years of Marketo's hypergrowth, okay. and they're still going through tremendous growth. But you watch that marketing organization, uh, you know, grow tremendously. What what can you reflect on in terms of how you guys were figuring out in such a high growth environment how to staff the organization and build it out? Right. Yeah, and it's a, it's a good question. And I think just to provide some context for the listeners, I, I kind of thought about it in a few ways and. And one of, the, one of the key things that I noticed when I joined, and I joined Marketo in 2012, uh, going through a lot of growth. I can remember when I first joined, th- it, there probably wasn't a week where I didn't see somebody new that had joined the company, if that gives you a sense. So it was, it was pretty crazy and also really exciting. But one of the things, and, and for those of you who've been in marketing for a long time, you, it, all of us have sort of seen the classic org structure and you know, I think everybody's heard to death about, you know, the customer, you know, is changing and there's more information than ever before, all of that, you know, tons of digital technologies. And I think, you know, when you kind of distill that out, one of the things that I was very clear about when I joined Marketo was we had to be pretty customer centric to stand out and be different. Um, Not to poke at you here, but I think Oracle wasn't. (laughs) And so I I think that that was kind of my point number one is that, because we needed to be customer centric and focused there, we had to shift away from, you know, kind of the traditional structure to more of a centralized structure. So that was one of the first things that I saw. Um, I also kind of thought a lot about uh, marketing kind of being almost like a hub uh, for organizations for the customer. And what I think is interesting, and we're seeing it even more now, is that we own so much of the technology that has touch points for the customer. So you really think about how that impacts uh, you know, whether you're at a small company or a large company, that affects things. Um, and so marketing teams know that they need to, the leaders of the teams know they need to really think about their structure and, and how it's different. And I think just something that stood out to me is that, you know, in 2012, we had a demand generation team. <laughs> and I, I guarantee you at that time, you would speak to a lot of companies and they didn't really even have a name for that, know what demand generation was. And while that seems kind of funny now, I think kind of a, a point you can extrapolate from that is that you don't necessarily have to do what textbooks say or 
Um, you can have your own titles and, and own names for things if you see that there's a real kind of need and a function that has to exist. And we'll talk about that more in a minute, but that was something that I really took away from that time. It was, it was demand gen was very new. Inbound marketing, you know, HubSpot did a lot there, uh, was new, right? And right. you really had to think, like your team had to look really different. And there's no light bulb that goes on in the building when you walk in that day that says, hey, it's time to reorg the marketing department or hire these roles. And normally, you know, if you're fast growing, it almost comes out of necessity. And sometimes you can grow too quickly and too organically and, you know, look back and go, God, I wish we did this back then. One of the approaches that we take uh, is to, and I mentioned it, build an accountability chart. And so what that is, Mm -hmm. is you actually start with a whiteboard or a big piece of white paper and you forget about titles, you forget about people, you forget about organizational structure, and you just start drawing boxes and put the responsibilities inside of it. So what that might look like, right, back in the early days is, we need someone to be a Marketo systems administrator. So like whatever the title is, and they're responsible for A, B, and C, bullet points underneath that role. We need someone to be doing uh, content creation, and you put in the responsibilities there. And by building this almost like a mind map of roles and responsibilities uh, of what you need to you know, achieve the objectives that you set forward, then after that, you go back and say, okay, if we're going to have these roles, how many can we collapse any of these? Should we break apart some of these and end with who should report to who, but not actually start there? And all too often, people right. get so like, wow, what are we going to do? We need this, but God, Jimmy's not really good at that. So what are we going to do? And if you think about the people first and not about the roles and responsibilities first, you can run yourself down a, a bad path. Yeah, I agree. And I think and another part that I'd add to that, I actually I love that approach. And that's kind of what I'm encouraging people to do because Again, it's going to depend on your business. I mean, some companies are very, very product-centric. Some, some companies are more like market segment focused, and so it'll depend. But I think really focusing on, yeah, the needs, like what you need, but also where people have the skill. And so I, I do sometimes see, you know, and I, I definitely saw in early days where, you know, hey, this person, uh, we actually need this great content, but if somebody doesn't like to write and they don't have natural ability there, don't put them there. Right. <laughs> and so I really think it's important to think about aptitude. Like, honestly, not everybody is a great marketing ops person because they're not systems oriented. They don't love technology. They'd rather be doing other things. And so it's really what you need, but also understanding how to interview and hire talent for those roles and, and really where the skill sets are best suited. For sure. And, and just to bolt on to that, so one of the things that we do here that I learned, a um, mentor of mine taught me this um, several years ago, taught me the concept of the accountability chart, which we have brought forward not only into our organization, but as I mentioned uh, with our clients. The second part was what uh, he calls GWC, and it touches on exactly what you're saying. And the G is, do they get it? So after you've created all these different boxes and different roles and responsibilities, you start to say, okay, let me map people into them. And you ask yourself these three things. Do they GWC it? Do they get it? Do they like grok? Do they understand the position and the responsibilities? 
Um, w, do they want to do it? Some people may understand it. They don't want to do it, or maybe they want to do it. So that's measurement number two. And then the third is, do they have the capacity to do it? And that could be either, do they have the capability like the smarts to do it, or do they have the time to do it? I've seen people look at that two different ways. But what you do is you, you create a scorecard and you say, okay, let's, let's take Heidi, for example. Heidi's this CMO at Engageo. We're thinking about promoting her, let's say, into that role. I know you were hired into it, but hey, role play with me. So <laughs> does she get it? Oh, heck yeah, she gets it. She was, you know, marketing leader at Marketo. She knows modern marketing, you know, better than anyone. She certainly gets the role and responsibility. Never been a CMO. Does she understand some of the uh, additional responsibilities that come from a CMO? Yep, she, she gets it. Does she want it? You bet she wants it. She'd really love it. That's where she's been aspiring to in her career, and she's been building up her expertise there, and she really wants to be CMO. And then C, does she have the capability to do it? And, you know, that's sometimes, hey, if the person is geographically not in the right place, maybe they're not right for the role because they need to be at HQ, for example, or maybe they don't have the bandwidth for the role that we're talking about. So for those of you listening, we normally rate it as plus, if they're, you know, no doubt, as I gave Heidi those, plus, 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 or plus, minus, like, yes, I think so, but I'm not totally sure this might be a stretch for them in terms of the, maybe the, the G area. There's things for them to learn. But if there's a minus, and if you do this with a team, if there's more than one minus, you really should rethink mm-hmm. putting the person in that role because that's that's the team's instinct saying, I don't think they're going to succeed. And um, anyway, use that use that technique. Let's let's Heidi talk about because so many people are kind of where you are. I'm gonna actually let's cover both because you've been at the larger and now the smaller companies. How many employees is uh, mm-hmm. engage you these days? So we're over fifty. Over fifty. I think the last check. Yes, I think we're close to fifty-six. Right. Okay. When you are building out the marketing team now, you 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 are no doubt starting with a smaller team. So what are the essential right. roles that you now have there? Obviously, you're leading the charge as a CMO. Talk about the other roles and responsibilities underneath you. Yeah. So I, I think for me, I, I sort of come at it. I, I love your GWC analogy. And another thing that I like to think about is also sort of how you incentivize folks. And I, I want to talk about that a little bit first, because I think one of the things that I'm actually pretty excited about and, and I'm looking at here at Engage You is really thinking about a revenue team where we have sales, we have marketing, and we have success. And clearly, I own marketing, but I, I really kind of have that vision of the future of having more you know, revenue teams where, you know, we're all working really closely together. And it also, you know, I feel like our technology also supports that structure. So that's actually a, a really nice benefit as well. Because when you think about it, all of those things work really closely together. And it's weird to kind of have almost like an artificial separation. And I think the first part of something that I've thought a lot about is making sure the the incentives are there. So as an example, um, I am paid very similarly to how a salesperson is paid, and and that's good because we're aligned. And clearly as a CMO, people could say, well, you have to think about brand. You have to think about, you know, all these other things. And that's true. But I would argue, and I feel really strongly about this, I don't think of brand as some separate, you know, thing way out in the universe. It's like, to me, it's intimately tied with (laughs) trying to create demand. And it's and it, you want a good brand so people are interested in you and they like you and they think you're fun and interesting before they might even know there's a need. So that's something I think a lot about. So number one, kind of making sure that, you know, really thinking about the structure and how we want to grow and making sure there's the right incentives in place. 
And then for us, honestly, as a smaller organization, I have a few roles that I've thought a lot about. And, and the first one is I definitely have somebody who's in charge of growth. And, you know, you, you see these titles, you know, uh, director of growth. Um, I actually feel this is very similar to sometimes what demand generation used to do. It depends on the company, of course. And this is one person on my team who thinks about content marketing, social, how we nurture, you know, prospects and customers and doing a lot of our inbound marketing, you know, and that's, you know, just thinking about, you know, as an example, SEO and, and making sure that we're just found everywhere. So yeah. growth is big for me, um, especially kind of, again, where we are in our stage, really critical. Um, another rule to me that has been very, very important is I, I call marketing operations, but they also have our marketing technology. Right. And, and I'm just going to highlight that one for people listening, because I think that's an area. And again, we're in Silicon Valley. We, you know, we're pretty much at the forefront of this. And I still find people, you know, if you talk to a lot of CEOs, they're like, really? Like, why do you need, um, you know, all of these technologies? Or why do you need product X for data? And that's something I'm really passionate about. And I, I kind of think it's, it's akin to having a great foundation for your house. And you want to get that right. Because if you don't, you know, you build your house and you grow and, it, and it's bad. <laughs> you have cracks in the wall and then, you know, not good outcomes. So I also think a lot about marketing ops and getting somebody that can run technology. They think about planning, reporting, systems performance, you know, all of those kind of key things. Let, let's underscore um, that before we move on, Heidi, because that is yeah. a topic that is coming up a lot. You know, the term marketing operations manager, director, whatever, didn't really exist even more than a few years ago, and it's definitely on the rise. It didn't, no. But right, right when it came out, it was kind of the analytics slash data-oriented person, and it has morphed to, as you say, be responsible for marketing operations, including marketing technology. Um, and mm -hmm. it's 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 an encompassing role. In many ways, we describe it as like the head of marketing IT within marketing. They have all the infrastructure and the reporting and the data services. In a, in a larger organization, right, it's going to be multiple people, of course, but you are hiring right. someone who's responsible for all of that, that infrastructure. So I want to make sure everybody heard that because that really is what that role is today. It's evolved and it's changed, but it's no longer just about reporting or analytics. It's, it's, it's the full stack and, and a lot of the pieces related to that. Key one to bring out. I agree. I, I want to come back. When you say growth and content, are those two different roles? No, I, I for for us, content is an aspect of what uh, our director of growth manages and owns. Got it. So thinking about developing content, and then also, I mean, obviously, content distribution as well. Right. Um, because again, like content, it, it's only as good as <laughs> you know how well it's distributed. If people don't see it, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, and you've and separated I, those those two. You, you, so you have the the artiste, and then you have the scientist, right? You've identified two different roles, very different personas, right? Between someone who's responsible different. for growth and someone on the system side. That's you, right. And, and, and as you can and as you can imagine, as you grow, you will probably have people that will ultimately specialize more in key areas. And that's what I want to emphasize to people listening. It's like my structure and my team that, you know, existed at Marketo, we, we really started to, again, it was very centralized, but people had specialization because we needed it and we could yeah. afford it. And it made sense, right? Um, you know, especially if you're a global organization. Um, so just definitely um, here, I mean, we're smaller, so that the person handles both of those things. And then the other key, two other key folks that I would just emphasize, I have a director of um, really, or actually a head of strategic marketing, 
And what they own is actually very interesting. They own a lot of our ABM initiatives, um, which are really, really important. We think a lot about it really suits our business. Um, and also a lot of field marketing and events and, and partner uh, relationships that, because again, we do a lot of partner marketing. Um, it's a great way to, you know, I think get your brand out there and, and be successful on the demand side um, in an efficient way. And I, I really like that. And that role is a very interesting role. And then I also really believe in demand gen. I, I am one of, I'm in the camp that it's not necessarily demand gen or ABM. I think there's really a place for both. <laughs> and, it, and it's really just a matter of your business objectives and what you're trying to do. And um, so I kind of have a nice balance. I mean, we, we clearly do a lot of account-based marketing and love it, but I absolutely feel demand marketing is, is a critical element of our mix. So those are kind of the key hires that I've thought about. And then obviously as we grow, you know, I have product marketing as well, which is essential. Um, I, I think you really can't underscore that role. You know, in my future, I'd like to be hiring field marketing, um, some more dedicated folks there, um, just again, because we, we do a lot of ABM, so that's good. And then, you know, I, I also, this comes up a lot. I have um, somebody who does great graphic design, because again, like, that's a lot of your brand, and, and that's important. That affects, you know, our website, all of our campaigns, and, and I think that that's a key role that isn't always the easiest to hire, but a very important one. Um, and then right now, I'm sort of handling a lot of our, our PR, um, but my hope is to get a corporate marketing person at some point. But, you know, definitely thinking about those roles, and again, what's critical for your business, um, and, and thinking about growth, thinking about the leaders in those positions and how they want to really grow out their teams. Um, and again, I'm very excited about the idea of more of a revenue team, yep. um, really where we think about sales, marketing, and success together. And I think ABM and the technology that supports ABM is bringing a lot of that together. Um, and I guess one other little thing that I'll, I'll mention that I, I'd love people to think about, I have always owned you know, the aspect of customer marketing that's upsell, cross-sell. Um, clearly in my role now, I have loyalty and advocacy, but I, I'm often shocked that people don't know where that sits. <laughs> and and I, I really think, yeah. you know, you have demand marketers that are so talented, you know, and your customers are the most valuable asset you have, and you should be treating them better, you know, than anyone. I mean, to me, it's like, um, I've used this analogy, it's like marriage, you, you have to work harder. <laughs> the dating is easy, right? And I, I, I feel like that's a really important thing for, for folks to think about where upsell, cross-sell sits and, and that, type of, that type of marketing. Well, the way that you painted that really supports this this concept of the accountability chart instead of the org chart, right? Because you drew out, I need someone for the champion of growth and content, social, having us, you know, found on the web. You've got this, you know, director of strategic, which you described it as a much more interactive role, right? They work with the partners. They're doing field marketing events. Right. They own the ABM strategy. Then you talked about the marketing ops function. You talked about the demand gen function, product marketing function, graphics design and even PR, which you're taking on. So when you lay that all out in front of you and you look at that, that's when you can say, okay, how much can one person handle? How much synergy are these different <laughs> responsibilities? And that, and then you paint right. the org chart once you know it and just you know keep revisiting it and that, that approach is great. Well, it's good to hear that you guys are investing in marketing. You know, uh, well, both of us are big champions of marketing ruling the world. And I also loved hearing that... Um, your compensation plan is very similar to sales, and that was the episode I did with David Cancel was entitled uh, Show Me the Money, and it was all about 
you know, that, that we think marketers should be the breadwinners of the revenue family. That, you know, my constant question is why doesn't marketing get paid equal or even more than sales when they are responsible mm-hmm. exactly as you painted, not just for net new, driving revenue from acquisition, but also for the lower funnel for loyalty and advocacy. So I'm, I'm a man on a mission to get marketing, making more money because we deserve it. And I agree. And roles changed. We do. And, you know, we like money because <laughs> I, I also I also use the analogy, you know, your CEO gives you a budget for the year. And essentially, you're, you're very similar to an investment banker. It's our yep. job to get to really make sure we're getting the best return we can. And um, part of my little joke is that I'm not paid like an investment banker, which is sad. And maybe we can change that. <laughs> well, let's change that. I think all marketers out there uh, would like to be paid more. I like the way you look at that, that your budget is your investment. Your VC is your CEO. And um, you've got to show a return for that, which really speaks to you've got to show the impact that, that marketing is having. So now working at a very small company as a CMO with a, a real tiger team that you're going to keep growing as you guys have been growing. Um, what learnings did you take away from Marketo that you would bring to um, engage you? For example, one of the questions I get a lot is, how do you find these people? Where's the best place to go to find talent? Um, Uh, It's it's a million-dollar question. It's funny. I'll get emails from different people that I know, you know, or texts, and folks will say, yeah, you you have a great, you know of a great demand gen person. It's like, if I had a dollar for every time I was asked that, it's, it's tough, but but I'll tell you I'll tell you a few different things that that I've done that I think has been really fairly successful. And this is what I did a lot at Marketo. We um, and again, not just myself, but the whole team over there. Um, we would look for people that had the right aptitude. Um, they were smart. They you know really thought about things in the right way. And actually, very similar to how teams like I also own our ADR team here at, at Engageo and. You know, we hire a lot of people, you know, right out of school. This could be their first, you know, ultimate sales job, really, if you think about it. Yeah. But it, it's like we have the ability to train. And I and I actually have, have seen that being a really great way. You know, if you need a, a strong Marketo user, you need a great Salesforce user, you know, or, you know, any types of, of system, there are people that are very good at that and they're willing to learn. And those are tough jobs, right? And so, you know, not everyone or, you know, all of all of the companies, you know, are based in the Bay Area. It's like you might not have that pool of talent, but that you certainly can hire folks and teach them. And I actually like that because then you, you can also put good habits in place. Um, and so that that's kind of an approach I've taken. I also, I mean, outside of that, there's all the normal things, right? Like, Asking people at companies that you respect, you know, if they know folks, you can attend. You know, there's the great group Mocha um, that's focused on marketing ops. Great people attend that. You know, events are a great place to, to meet and talk to people. But I also think some of the best folks that I've had on the team are were folks were people actually that didn't have a lot of marketing experience. And what I liked is they had an openness and a humility to learn um, and continue to be better. And and I like that's important to me because it's a team sport. Um, and so I'm looking for people that, that can do that and have that attitude. I think it's important. The other thing that I would say coming out of Marketo that was a learning and a great thing were, you know, processes that you needed to have kind of repeatability. You never want to have a function where, hey, if Mark quits or if, you know, Susan quits, we're in, we're basically in a really bad spot. And everyone listening has had that happen. And you're just like, oh, my day is ruined, Right. 
And so I, I like, as an example, with marketing operations, having a certification. So when you hire people, say they're going to be doing, you know, emails out of Pardot or your marketing automation system, whatever that is, they're certified, right? And you bring on new people, they get certified. And that way you have that consistency. Um, that's something I really believe in. And I think that's a great thing to do across the board, even events. Hey, when we bring on an events person, this is what we do. We have this process. And then you're, you kind of are, are doing a little bit of teaching, but then you get what you're looking for. So th- those are kind of some key things. It's great advice. Um, I'm going to ask you some personal questions. A lot of people reached out to me in the beginning of the year. In fact, I got two more this week who want to make a move. <laughs> they want to make a transition. So they've been, let me think for a second, both of them, one is a vice president, one is a senior director. And one of them said, you know, Dave, I really want to be CMO. That's what's next for me. And I see that person as a marketing operations person. I think they're really good with the systems and the technology, but they want to move to that, you know, the pinnacle of marketing and get the C-suite um, <laughs> position. And, you know, I was saying, you know, as I advise some people, I say, you know, the CMO to me is is a bit like Captain Kirk, sorry, old Star Trek reference. And the marketing <laughs> operations person is like Spock, you know, and, and they're, what I'm trying to say is they're very different personas and you have to be wired very differently. And right. You, one of the things that I notice about your career and having get to know you, like you're not a hopper. You're not going to go from company to company to company. You spent um, almost seven years when you were uh, the senior director of marketing at Ingenuity, right? You you made an investment there, grew and developed and learned a ton of skills and learned what success looks like and probably, you know, some places where you say, oh, wouldn't do that marketing program again. You got to learn those things. Then you were at Marketo for almost four years. And now for the past year, you've been at Engageo. So you're able to build upon that. What advice would you, you know, there's the people out there who want to be CMOs. What advice would you give them on why they would want to be a CMO and why they they wouldn't be? Um, You know, because I think it's a very different there's very different career path opportunities today in marketing like there's never been before. And you you clearly picked the CMO route. So what advice? Yeah, so really good question. I, I think the first thing that I, I would recommend is I always tell people, you know, go home, um, you know, sit down, be in, be in a closed room by yourself and, and, and really ask yourself, why is it you want that position? Like, what is the most meaningful thing, you know, about it? Is it that you think, oh, being a CMO, I'm going to have more money or, you know, wow, it's great. I'll have everybody reporting to me or, you know, um, I really like the title and it's exciting because it feels powerful. And I think it's really important to understand, you know, what drives and motivates you first, because I can tell people out there there's easier ways to make money. (laughs) Don't, Don't do it because you think a CMO makes all the money in the world because there are plenty of other jobs you can get that are better for that. Um, but I think it's important to really tease that apart and understand it. I also think step two is to really understand and go talk to some people that are in that role. I don't think people really understand, you know, how much of your job is actually hiring. Like I spend a lot of my job, I think, actually hiring. Or I know even people that want to be CEOs, they spend a lot of time just looking at space and understanding real estate and, um, you know, key things that you probably wouldn't even think that they do, Right. Um, or, or actually putting out a lot of fires. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important, like, really kind of know what drives you to understand and go talk to those people and see if that's really what you want. And then three, I always think it's really good. Get some people within your current organization or people you know 
and have them give you some honest input about how you come across and what they think your skills are um, and kind of areas that you could grow. Um, because I think a lot of people have a perception of themselves and, and it's often not necessarily right. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse. But I think having that ability to be self-reflective and kind of see where there's areas of growth, like your friend that you mentioned, you're like, oh, they seem a lot more marketing ops. Well, maybe that person could work on some other skills and, and, and then you might have a different perception, but they might not even realize it. Right. So I kind of think those three things are good to do. And I would also kind of say, this has been my experience. I never dreamed or sat there and said, I want to be CMO. That wasn't it for me. I always have come to my, my job and been passionate. I love marketing. I worked in the life sciences for years where marketing was, you know, honestly not that valued. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being at Marketo, I was delighted because I was talking to marketers. I felt I was helping people. And I feel like the good work has, has led me to where I am. It wasn't that that was my dream. Um, and so that, that's maybe a different way to think about it. But I think if you're doing a great job, you will, you kind of can get to those roles because it, you're, you're already going to be doing the job, if that makes sense. And, and again, I'll go back to having people give you feedback because, you know, there isn't anyone that's perfect. And I think you can get, get a real sense of where you might have gaps if that's what your dream is and, and work on those gaps and take it seriously because um, I think it can really help. And I've seen people that have done that and, and they've really, you know, I, I've been amazed. They've come a long way. Absolutely. Um, but I think... If I can leave people with anything, I think it's just, it sounds maybe a little bit, uh, I don't know, like hokey or you'd read it in a fortune cookie, but it's like, just love what you do. Be passionate. Um, and if you are, I feel like then the good positions or the good things will come your way. And that's kind of my perspective on it. And I, I think the people who are really caught up in a title often don't even really understand what that role means. That That's kind of been my, my experience. That's great advice. You know, you and I being here in the Bay Area, we've got an amazing basketball team, right, the Warriors, and we're very blessed to be able to watch them that's right. play. But Steph Curry Woo! is a, yeah, go Warriors. Go Warriors. We have a player, you know, Steph Curry, who is incredibly talented, and yet he's shorter than the other players uh, on the court, you know, typically. And... He wanted to be one of the best players in the world. He wanted to have, you know, the most points scored, and he is by far the best three-point shooter out there. And that didn't come because he was born that way. He learned how to change right. his shot entirely and practice incredibly. I've heard stats like he he throws two thousand practice shots a day, uh, three-point practice shots to get to where he is. So to your point, you may not have been born to be a CMO. You can develop the skills if that's the path that you want to go on. But I think the advice of like get advice from people who really care about you and will give you honest advice about where your strengths and where your gaps are so that before you go into that role, um, you really understand what it's going to take and, and whether you're ready for it. Great advice. Right. And, and, under, and understanding that that's really what you want to be happy. Um, because again, like I think a lot of people don't necessarily, I mean, really, really understand. And I'd, I'd also say, you know, the, the role can be very different depending on the company. You know, the, the CMO that's at, you know, GE is not the CMO of a tech company in the right. Bay Area. They're no, really sure. different, right? So, um, again, I, I'll point that out because, again, they, they have different strengths. And, you know, at a larger company, a CMO might be out presenting and really representing the company where a smaller, you know, organization needs a CMO that can, you know, honestly be doing a lot of different things and be very operational. So it just it just depends. 
I got two more questions for you if you got some more time before we wrap up this. You got you a little bet. more time? All right, awesome. You bet. One's personal and one is about uh, Engageo because you guys are creating an entirely new category. But the first personal one is, and it's a selfish, but you know, for those of you listening, I bet half of you are women or some percentage. Um, for those of you that don't know, I have two daughters. One of them is 22 and one of them is 20. They're both about to graduate. Well, one's about to graduate college. One has two more, both getting degrees in marketing. That might surprise you or not. But Heidi, you, you're a C-suite and you're a female and you have found a way in your career to have your voice heard, to um, compete in a very male-dominated uh, industry, especially in Silicon Valley. And what advice do you have for the women that are listening on the program or to my daughters about how you got to where you got? How did you get your voice heard? How did you – well, I'm not going to ask you the questions. You, you know the questions. So what do you think? What would you share? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing that I'll say is I'm I'm dreaming of a day where I'm not asked that question. Awesome. <laughs> because I I just it's it's I I'm really hopeful that my daughters and your daughters um it's just it's just a, a non-issue. That that's actually what I would love to say um because I, I feel like um, then, then I think we're really where we need to be. So I'll start with that. <laughs> and I would say I hope that too. Let me sorry to interrupt, but I would say I hope that too. I recently posted on LinkedIn, maybe a month or so ago. Well, it depends on when you're listening to this. But I posted the stats for our organization, and I showed the organization that we have more women than men. And I also posted that we have 50% more women in leadership roles than men. And when I posted that, I mean, the response was tremendous to it. But I also feel, as you do, is when is the day where gender is not seen in the workplace? And we don't have to talk about these topics. But the reality is we're not we're not there yet. Um, maybe you are right. there and I'm there and maybe a lot of Silicon Valley has <laughs> gotten there. But it ain't that way around the world. Let's just be honest. So that is a good aspiration to have. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious what that advice would be if you found there was a recipe for it as a woman. If not, if you just showed up to every work doing doing your thing and this is where you ended up, that's, that's great to hear as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, and it's, and it's an honest, uh, it's honest advice. I don't know that there's a recipe. I think the things that I've done that I think can be helpful for, for other folks listening, I think number one, and first and foremost, I think is being really persistent. I, I think that I haven't uh, given up. I think there's been plenty of times that, you know, maybe not the most positive things have happened, uh, but I kind of moved past it. I, I didn't think that it made sense to kind of dwell on things, and that isn't an easy thing to do. I, I think I can't think of a, a female where something hasn't happened where it's, eh, it's maybe not the best, but I, I, I have chosen not to let that define me, and I feel like I've been persistent and just moved on. Let me give an example. If you have a boss that you kind of feel like, yeah, that it's not working out that well with because of, you know, maybe they don't see you in the same way or it's it's not fair. I, I think there's a point in time to like, it's okay to cut the loss, right? It's okay yeah. to like move on to another situation. And I, I sometimes think that women have a thing where it's like, I, I'm going to fight through it. And I think there's a point to do it. And then there, I think there's a point where it's like, you don't need to be um, a martyr. You can get out and you can do, you know, get yourself in a better situation. Cause I, there's tons of, of, I feel like men that are incredible, they're supportive and put yourself around those people. And, and trust me, there's plenty of women that are stinkers too. It's like, just put yourself around good people. So I would say being persistent, being 
thoughtful about who you work for and work around because, you know, all of our interactions every day build us up or, or build us or take us down. Right. You bet. And so to me, I want to, be, I want to be around positive people that are kicking ass. Right. That's what I want. So I'm going to put myself in that situation. And then I think number three, I really have tried to help other people. And I would say that's male or female. I, you know, think it's really about making sure you can make others successful and like goodness will come out of that. Um, and so I don't kind of do the thing where it's like, oh, well, I wasn't lucky or that didn't happen for me. I just try, if I can give to somebody, I do it. And I just think it feels good. And I, I think it just creates, you know, a good environment in general. Um, those are not specific things, but I think that's kind of been my philosophy. And I just have to highlight you know, being persistent and, you know, also being self-reflective. I think sometimes it's easy today to say, wow, that happened to me um, because of X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, you know, the thing you have in common in some of these situations is yourself. So it's, you have to be self-reflective and see, you know, maybe there's something you, you're doing that you could change and that outcome might be different. So, um, gosh, I, I could talk about it for a while, but I, I think if I had to land on one point, it would be persistent and and also just being true to who you are because you know that's the best thing to be. Appreciate <laughs> so you don't appre- want to be someone else. I totally yeah. appreciate you sharing that, sharing your perspective. I think it's great advice. All right, I got one more question for you before we wrap up, and that is this: What is it like to define a new category? Right, Engageo is the first ABM platform on the planet. Right, John and you and the team right. put everything into defining you know, really a new platform and you've been bringing that to market. So talk about that a little bit, what that's been like and, and what it's going to continue to look like for you guys. Yeah. So, so it's, it's super easy. Um, yeah, I, I feel <laughs> like we're basically done. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, I, I'll highlight it's not for the week. It's, it's tough. And I think it's exciting. And it, it, I feel like everybody here is motivated and believes in it. But I think, again, you have to be the kind of person that's okay with uncertainty and you have to be okay with, you know, there's ups and downs. It's like, you know, I feel like if you look at marketing automation, no one questions that anymore. It's like, of course you need marketing automation. Right. But I tell you back in 2012, that wasn't true. And we were up against, you know, Hey, you know, we have exact target or ES an ESP of some kind. Why do I need this? And so it's, I feel like it's, it's, it's trying to educate people. Um, but I think to me, the thing that I find exciting about it is when, folks, they can actually see it's going to benefit their business. And that there's no better feeling to me than that. It's, it's when you help somebody and they're like, wow, this is really cool. Like we are working better with our sales team. Um, we are focusing on better accounts for our business. So um, I think it's, I think it's really exciting and it feels good. But I think whenever you're defining a new category, there's always going to be people that, you know, you're up against that don't believe in it or, um, they say, oh, it's a trend or, you know, all those things. And I can tell you from experience, you know, I see great outcomes from it. So I, I, I'm I'm a believer and I'm excited. And, you know, really, I think a lot of credit to, to John Miller for, you know, doing this and, and being really bold. I mean, he's, he's a bold person yeah. and deserves, you know, a lot of credit for this stuff. So I, I would say it's exciting, but 
I'm not going to say it's um, always easy. He's, he's like the <laughs> Elon Musk of marketing technology, right? I mean, he, <laughs> right. yeah. John, if that's you're listening, right. that's a huge compliment. I mean, he is, he's a genius and he is fearless <laughs> as well. And um, that's right. what I love about John is that, you know, he has vision, he has direction, and he moves in that direction. He doesn't have to have the whole plan figured out. He just knows that's the direction we're going. That's what the market needs. So let's go build solutions that's going to satisfy this big problem, this pain. But exactly what the product looks like and needs to be like and the features and functions, that's a figure it as you go, right? And that's adapt and change based on how people are doing that. Right. He's assembled an incredible team, you included. Um, Engage's got a, just just a, a rock star team, and you guys are going to keep figuring it out. You've had great growth over the last several years and with a, a small team. So as you guys keep growing and growing and growing, it'd be great to see. Uh, and we're honored to be a yeah. partner of yours and, and a client. So we love your platform. Thank and you. we had our leadership team meeting earlier today talking about our ABM strategy and the tools that we use. So it was, it was fun. Well, hey, Heidi, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. I know that uh, with show season, everything else coming up, you got a lot going on. By the way, on show season, I've never had a better experience than attending a Marketo Summit in this industry. I just think that you guys always crush it with the whole marketing nation, Um, the vibe, the feel, the energy. I mean, if I was a 20-something-year-old kid coming out of school and that was my first event, I would have felt like I died and went to heaven. It was just, you guys did an amazing job. So I don't know if I ever shared that with you, you, but very, very proud of you and the team for that experience. That's the best form of marketing, right? When you're there with your customers and with your partners and you can feel the impact that you're having. Yeah, that's right. There's no better feeling. I I think uh, the one thing I'll say with that, again, like credit to, I can't take credit for all of that. That's a it's huge team effort. Uh, tons of individuals. Uh, Sandra Freeman, who also works here at Engageo, heavily involved there. Um, and, and I think the reason that those events in, in the past were so good was the excitement and the energy and the community that was there. And again, I think it's really, if we just kind of think about it and close on this point, even going back to the org, you know, marketing has really, really evolved. I think when I started in my career, and I, I still say this to this day, like there's no, no, nothing that will irritate me more when people are like, oh, you're in marketing, you're, you're the one that makes the hats or the shirts. Um, I, 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 I get a really bad <laughs> you're the arts and crafts department. Yeah. Yeah, the arts and crafts. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, we are no longer in that position. I think marketers really are, you know, kind of the, the key hub of, you know, the customer and understanding the customer. And that's, that's really what it's about. It's making the people we serve successful. And honestly, that's, that's what gets me excited. And um, that's why I'm excited about Engageo, because I think we're really going to do that um, for the entire customer journey. Love your energy, love your passion, love your team, and I can't wait to see what the rest of 2018 is going to bring for you guys. Thanks again, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying these podcasts. Made a big effort. My marketing team is doing a great job getting us on iHeart and YouTube and Google Play. Uh, and, you know, I think you name it, um, search your streaming apps and search for Demand Gen in the podcast area, and hopefully we come up so you can listen to us whatever the most convenient way is. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you again, Heidi. Give my best to the team, and for all of you, I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, Dave. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio. Bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.